Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, today we have one of our great leaders here on the campus of Seton Hall, Mr. John Borges, who is currently the director of corporate corporate alumni relations at Seton Hall University. He is also with the University Advancement Program. John, welcome to the program. Thank you, Darrell. I'm glad to be here. So let's start off by sharing with our audience a little bit about your experience and background. <laughs> oh, well, this is my first adventure, and I call it an adventure in, uh, in higher ed. Uh, I spent over 30 years in high-level business development, running sales teams, uh, carrying a bag, which is uh, a term for selling yourself, and uh, actually developing staffs and training and learning and development. Uh, I started my career in this area in the recruiting space where I oversaw, we knocked down an office and grew it back up again to 24 people in about three months, and which is if you want a crash course in management and leadership development, there you go. Uh, <clears throat> but I also, uh, in that time frame, skinned my knees and my elbows a lot and learning from my mistakes and we grew the office up to 24 people and then we're ranked in the management recruiters world in the top 10 worldwide trained a national or worldwide rookie of the year and then two top 10 account executives uh, went left there and had decided that I really my passion was developing and learning uh, and training staff and seeing how the people under me can achieve their goals. I think it's important for leaders and managers to understand that you're only as good as the staff that works for you. And you're not going to achieve your goals unless they do. We're going, we're going to dive into that. But you left out a very key factor about your education <laughs> here on the campus of Seton Hall. I don't know if you were doing it because you're just being uh, delicate, uh, considering the recent... Um, uh, national championship. Well, I will. I will tell you. Oh, you just stepped right into that one, didn't you? Uh, okay. So I attended Villanova uh, from 1980 to 1984. Great institution. Thank you. Uh, I was a track and field All-American there, three-time indoor track and field All-American. What there. event? My main event was the 800 meters. Uh, I was competed in the old Big East before they got big, and then they revamped again. Uh, and and what I have, I'll, I'll come back to that because I see how the Big East has helped me in my career. Okay, the the athletes and my competitors and so on and so forth. So I graduated the year before they won the national championship for the first time in 1985, and and knew Easy Ed Pinckney and Gary and Dwayne McLean, Harold Jensen, and 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 all those boys, uh, a great bunch of guys. Uh, but then I met my wife in 1986 down the Jersey Shore, and she said, I'm not moving down to Philly. You're going to have to come up to Jersey, northern New Jersey, and it's been the best move for me. And uh, my time here at Seton Hall has been great for the last two years. I absolutely love it. Well, we're happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> I do say, hey, I'm happy. I, I, I won on both parts this year. Seton, the Pirates won the Big East and beat Villanova. And Villanova won the national championship, so I can brag on both parts now. So. Isn't that excellent? <laughs> so 
Um, before we start to talk about what you're doing here at Seton Hall in the Executive Suite Series, which mm -hmm. is a phenomenal uh, event that you put on three times during the year, um, you had started off by saying that one of your early experiences was knocking down uh, a team and then rebuilding it yeah. in three months. That's a pretty fast turnaround. Yeah. And, and, what, what, and were some of the, what were some of the, the key things in, in leadership that you did there to, to achieve that? Well, I think, first of all, you have to get people on the same page, okay? And you have to understand where, what's important to them. And sometimes, as a leader, you have to make a tough decision and, and make the person that you're hoping to come to your team want to come to your team. If they don't want to come to your team and they're the best athlete on your team, they're not going to be great for you because it's not something that they want to do. So, And you have to get their buy-in. So I, I, I really learned how to look at what was important to them in helping coach them and seeing where their goals were. Now, if their goals were not aligned with where I was looking for or what the company was looking for, then you had to make that tough decision and, and kind of guide them in a different area. And there's no hard feelings. It's just I have found that being honest with somebody, like we all do, some peop sometimes you don't want to hear it, but sometimes you have to hear it. And upon reflection, maybe it's the right thing for you. So, so you have to get people to buy into the plan as opposed to, okay, this is what we want you to do. They have to want to buy into it as well. That's a very, very key statement. I, I do a presentation, uh, a lecture on how to build high-performing teams, and I, I have uh, leveraged some of the content from Jim Collins' book mm -hmm. and getting the right people on the bus and so that people of like minds will have like goals. Too often times I, I find that that is not the case, but people try to either fit someone into a... a Put a square peg into the round hole, right? Round hole. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it, it just doesn't work. You know, it's like when you meet and you're developing a relationship for the first time. You know, there's a reason that you married the person that you married because your goals align and there's that synergy. It's the same in, in developing work teams. It's the same in developing athletic teams. You need that you need that synergy. How do you go about doing that though? I mean, you know, it's it's extremely practical. I know it works. I've witnessed how it works, but what are the steps that you can share with all of the entrepreneurs and small business folks and really large business folks who are out there who are struggling with this very issue? Well, you know what? I read a book very early in my career. Uh by, I, I believe his name is Tony D'Alessandro, called The Platinum Rule. And I, I think it should be mandatory. You know, my career went, in, went into business development and high-level sales, and, you know, I oversaw sales teams and so on and so forth. But I use this Platinum Rule, you know, in every aspect of, of my life. And we've all heard of the Golden Rule, you know, treat somebody like you, the way you would want to be treated. Well, the Platinum Rule is treat somebody the way that they want to be treated. So it's important to make an effort as a leader to get to know your people. So you want, to, you want to be able to find out what's important to them, what their goals are, so then you can adapt the, the individual plan to help them meet their goals. This, this sounds like straight out of emotional intelligence. It, it, absolutely. You have to, yeah, it, it, no one has gotten anywhere by dictating, and we all know what happens to dictators they don't last very long. That's right. That's right. You know, it's it's very important. Um, uh, the the manager of old, where it says "My way or the highway," mm -hmm. I still see a few of them. Believe it or not, you know my mom. 
<laughs> God, no, she's great. <laughs> but that's how, you know, back in the day, that's how it was. Right, right. And the team that you had to knock down, how big was it? Uh, we had about 13 or 14 people, I, I think. And, and, you know, it was clearly outlined to them where the organization was headed. Uh, I reported to uh, an individual who, who outlined the plan. Ironically, his philosophy on managing, and I think that's why he brought me in, was he quickly identified it, it used to be his way or the highway. And he realized to knock the team down and then build it, build another team back up that uh, his philosophies and the philosophies of the organization had to change. So that's why they specifically brought me in. Uh, Did you have to let everyone go? No. Were you able to, no, to we salvage gave, No, we, we, gave, we gave individuals uh, mm -hmm. an option as to what they wanted to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, as long as they fit into where the organization was headed and they right. wanted to go along with the ride and... You know, some stayed. Actually, I think only one person stayed, to be honest with you. Only one person stayed. And, and that's where you give the individual an opportunity to self-select out. Bingo. Bingo. This is their call. Bingo. And you still maintain the relationships. And, you know, uh, you know I, I mentioned, I joked about my mom, but, but, but one of the things that she taught me when I, was, when I was younger was don't put anything in writing that you don't want on the front page of the newspaper. Okay? And the other one is, is don't burn any bridges. Because eventually those bridges, you're going to need them. Yeah, there's there's a path where your your life takes you, and you're like, oh, there's that bridge. Exactly. But also, you don't know who's on the other side of the bridge. And I'll tell you, as I went further into my career, how not burning a bridge with someone who was at that firm, that original firm, who left, later came back into my life from a business perspective. And, and actually was very vital for me in joining another firm in the, in later in my career that really advanced my career even further. Wow. As much as you can, can you share with us <laughs> that story? Well, it was funny because his wife is actually an alum of Seton Hall, and uh, uh, his name is Adam. Uh, and Adam used to report to me for management recruiters and uh, was fantastic and was just a sponge. He... He also was a former athlete. He played hockey up in Canisius, up in Buffalo, later went on and played professionally over in Europe and realized that he was never going to make it into the NHL and decided to go take his career into another, uh, another area. And he was just a sponge for knowledge, and he was there learning. And we worked closely together, and uh, uh, I remember we were, we were recruiting a partner for old back in the day you remember Darrell they had the big eight they had the big six now they're the big four right, right. <laughs> that's, that's right that's right that's so right. so we were we were moving a former partner from the old Anderson consulting to the new KPMG consulting which later evolved into bearing point and so here's a gentleman back in the late 90s mm. 2000 who at that time was making over 350000 So what would that be now, roughly? Half a million, roughly? A lot. Yeah, a lot. A lot of money. <laughs> so, and he had spent his entire career at, at Anderson Consulting, and, and Adam was working on this, and he brought me in to help him close. And I remember it was like a three-day close. And I finally, that was, the, that was before you had conference lines and so on and so forth. I remember taking two phones and putting the, the receivers opposite so each other can, he, the, the, can right. hear anybody, hear each other. 
and uh, and we turned it around, and we, you know, I finally got to the point where I said to the partner at Anders or the partner at KPMG, I said, "Do you want to hire him?" And he said, "Yes." And I said to the partner, the candidate for the job, I said, "Do you want the job?" And he said, "Yes." I said, "Done deal." I said, "This is it. It's over." But with that, I saw the relief from Adam's shoulders. And he didn't realize, he said, just, you know, I didn't realize if you just ask, you're going to get. It may not always be the answer that you want to get. And he, he, he took that philosophy. He then, he left us, which was fine. He took his career into a, a, a really great, down a great path and, and really accelerated it extremely well. And about 10 years went by. And all of a sudden I get a call out of the blue from Adam. And he's with a firm here in South Orange called Neil Sabrone Associates. And they're a niche uh, consulting firm that does a lot around learning and training and professional development. Specifically, their customer service experts are fantastic. And he said, you know, our firm is looking for a manager, for a, a business development manager. Would you be interested? So I went and I interviewed and I got the job. But that would never have happened if I didn't burn the bridge or Adam didn't burn the bridge. And the confidence that he had in me, he remembered from 10 years prior brought me to Neil Cervone and spending time with him again now he is now what he became my boss so the roles were reversed and we still keep in touch we have a, a great relationship and, and he's a great friend and it's all because of not burning that bridge you know as we're approaching uh, graduation here at Seton Hall that could be a commencement speech. I mean, really, <laughs> you know, if you think about the etiquette of, 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 of getting along and working with people and working towards a, a true win-win situation. And it's all about communication. And, you know, if you really think about it, Thrill, you spend more time awake with the people you work with. The key word is awake with the people that you work with than with your family, your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your partner. It doesn't matter. That is so true. That is so true. I've never heard it put like that, but that's true. So you have to be able to adapt, and you have to be able to be flexible. And you know, what was Muhammad Ali's statement? Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yes, yes. You, know, <laughs> it, 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 you have to be able to do that, that's and true. and and be adaptable, and understand that there's all sorts of differences in the world, and 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 people, and personalities, and just adapt to them that way. So let's talk about your role here at Seton Hall. <laughs> How long uh, have you been in this I, role? I, oh, this is great. Uh, I started August 25th, 2014. Uh, not like I don't remember. Uh, uh, ironically, I was not looking to make a move from Neil Sabone. Uh I was looking. My wife had spent her entire career at Hoffman LaRoche, and if you're familiar with what's happened up here in northern New Jersey with pharmaceuticals and pharmaceuticals in general, uh, she had never done a resume. She had never been on an interview. She had studied, started there as a work-study girl. Back in the day, you could start as a work-study girl in high school, and they would pay for you to go to college, and she did her undergrad at Fairleigh Dickinson, where FDU would come on campus, hint, hint, uh, <laughs> would come <coughs> and work at organizations to help develop, you know, and, and ha allow employees to get their degrees. Uh, Inter interesting enough, I've been having discussions with the MBA program about pursuing that. Fantastic. I think, it's a, I think that's a great idea. Uh, so I was looking for her. It's the first time she ever had to do any type of job search. And I came across this position that I'm like, hmm. If, I, if there's a lesson for any students out there 
who are graduating, even those younger alum or even more experienced alum. Even though you may not be looking for something, there could be that perfect scenario that just falls in your lap. So keep your resume updated. Uh, keep your ears and eyes open to as many different opportunities that you possibly can. Uh, remember going back and not burning the bridge because what something not, that may not be right for you may be right for somebody else. And think of the friendships and the deepening of relationships that you can, you can refer somebody to their dream job. So just keep that up to date. So I found this I found this position and I interviewed uh, I, I, I submitted my resume and I uh, about two weeks later I get a call from my, who is now my boss Matt Barwick who is associate vice president of government and alumni relations and he asked me. Uh, if I'd be interested in talking more. Uh, I had never been on Seton Hall's campus. I, the first time I had, see, had seen Seton Hall was when I drove up trying to find the Dunkin' Donuts. Because <laughs> uh, he said he wanted to meet at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Excuse me. And we met. We had a conversation. And uh, it, went, it, it went well. And, and he had asked me to... Uh, uh, to talk with who is now Assistant Vice President of Advancement, uh, Dan Nugent. Dan had re was reporting to Matt at the time and talked to Dan, and I, I liked everything that I heard about the role. But one of the things that I really enjoyed about it, and, and then I, I talked with the VP, Dave Bohan, and, and all three conversations were just fabulous, and I liked hearing their plan. And I knew, going back to our original thing, that I was buying into the plan. Right, you know, and and so I'm, I'm like, you know, the funny thing is, is you know, and and any students or anybody out there, don't do what I'm about to say. But I'm kind of keeping this quiet to my wife because I didn't want her to know that I'm thinking about making right. a move. Because mm -hmm. you know, I don't know for those married people out there. Uh, there are sometimes when you're making a change, it's like you know, you don't want to say something too soon. You kind of jinx yourself, especially my career in sales. You don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Uh, so uh, at the very last moment, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing for this role, and I think I like it, and if they offer me the job, I'm going to get it. I, I think I'm going to take it. And uh, lo and behold, they did. And it's been the best move that I've ever made in my career. And I'm, I'm not afraid to say I'm 53 years old, and the best thing that happened to me was when I was 51. You know, and and I don't see myself going anywhere. And I look at everything that has happened in my career leading me to this Oz. That is awesome. That is really that, awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about this great program that you have launched <laughs> called the Executive Suite Series. Well, actually, it it, it uh, was a was a series that was born from out of you know Dave Bohan. Dave actually had that great had a great idea and. It's a program that's actually designed about re-engaging our executive level alumni. And you would be surprised how many successful alumni that Seton Hall has. We have over 93,000 out there. And how many are, are at an executive level who are successful who have not been engaged with the university in one way, shape, or form. You know, a lot of ways, I mean, there there are a lot of ways of being engaged. We all know of the typical, 
you know, the philanthropic efforts and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, what if, what if the chief information officer for Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines can come back and share his stories and his knowledge and his expertise with a group of students? What type of an impact do you think it could have on the student? Especially as the CIO for this, for this world-renowned travel organization, his, 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 he had a BA in English. You know, he kept this open mind, and, and, and he just, it was, it was, it, 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 it's a great story to hear. You know, you hear so many great stories, and one of the things that, that I really enjoy about the executive suite is that the program is actually designed to give back to these alumni. So we're asking the, the, these executives to come to campus, learn about something that is very, could be very challenging for them. A lot of these executives are in my demographic, so anywhere from 45 to 55, maybe maybe a little bit younger, 40. Could you increase that to 57? Because I'll be 57 this year. 60. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but most of them are at, at a significant high level that they know of the situations, they know of the challenges, but they don't necessarily know the types of strategies to handle these individuals. So the first program we did was focused around the multi, uh, the four generations working together, you know, from the baby boomers to the millennials. You know, Darrell, you and I fit into the baby boomer category, you know. And I, I had, this, had this young man, 34 years old. Uh, his name is Kurt Steinhorst. So he did, a, I did some research on subject matter experts or for us, for, the, for those business majors out there, they're also known as SMEs. You're going to hear that term as you go into your career. Uh, and so I'm going out on a limb trying to put this program together. And with Dave's help, uh, and, and had uh, we enlisted some of the region's help, uh, you know, Mr. Waldis, uh, Ms. Mineta, and Mr. Luciola, uh, they, they helped us promote the original, the first program. And, and we had a great response. We had about 60 people show for the first one, and he talked about the four generations working together. And the beauty about it is, for our younger listeners out there, he didn't use a, a smartphone. He didn't use a computer. He talked, and he engaged, and he connected, and he did it very, very quickly. And it, was, it, it kicked off the, the program wonderfully. This last program... As, as you know, you attended the uh, – I had a former executive from LinkedIn. His name is Dan Swift, and he talked about the impact of social media and its effect both positive and negatively at a senior level if you don't stay on the forefront of it and how it can either propel your organization or knock it back. That was an excellent program. Thank you. Very, very much. I enjoyed it very much. And uh Dan, and then you had a panel as I well. had a panel, and, yeah, it was a little bit different because I tried to switch things up. I just didn't want to want to have a, a keynote and speak for the entire hour, 45 minutes, you know, think about a lecture, like, you know, one of those things. I wanted to, to break it up a little bit. And one of the nice things that we did was uh, uh, we brought back some alumni to serve on the panel. And a, gen a gentleman from ADP? gentleman from ADP, Richard Brenner. He's a senior a senior manager over there in their digital marketing space. And from a, he, he gave the corporate, the Fortune 500 perspective on the topic. Then I had a younger alum, 
a 2010 grad, his name is Mark Cook, who's actually out there selling this technology within the Fortune 500 uh, marketplace. And so he's giving that young alum, that, that younger perspective. And I had Dan, who was the keynote, Dan Swift, serve, as, uh, serve on the panel as well. But then what was interesting, we had Professor Dan Olatic from Stillman, Stillman, who just came over and was just, you know, he was fantastic. The way that he directed the panel and he engaged. And as you know, Darrell, you, you sat on panels, you've done keynotes. The key is is to get that audience interaction and, and participation. And that's what we have and had in the, and the amount of energy that was exhibited in that room and the questions. That's how you know you have a good a good program. The program could have gone on for another hour. Oh, abs- absolutely, absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of folks had their hands up there. Can get their <laughs> questions. But what's next? Um, I, I know. I guess that's it for this year because the yeah. semester is over. Well, we try to run it twice a year. So the mm-hmm. first one was in May of 2015, and then we had one in October, and then this one uh, just in April. And we're going to have another one in October. Uh, uh, I am looking. Uh, I signed off. I gave a little little tease at the end of of the last uh, uh, s- uh, series uh, that we're going to have a very big speaker. I'm hoping to get a very big speaker. Key word is big uh, to come to campus. I I really can't divulge who that is right now. We're in the process of negotiating and the it's contract. It's a shame I'm talking here. Yeah. You can let me know. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> I, I I can I can say that this guy is. Uh, he has some very unique philosophies, and when I say big, he's a he's a seven footer basketball Hall of Famer. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and uh, he has some very unique philosophies and views on life. And his son may be a uh, they may be a new NBA coach. Excellent, excellent, <laughs> excellent. That's all I'm going to say. All right. <laughs> well, you know what? Believe it or not, we're just about to at the end of the program. But before we go, could you share with us your philosophy about leadership? What makes a great leader? I think you have to, interesting, and this is something I learned very early in my sales career, that God gave us two ears and one mouth, and learn how to use them in proportion. And I think being a great leader, you have to be able to listen. We all get, leaders all get under stress and they're dealing with different things and they you know you're dealing with one thing and a leader is dealing with five but you had to be able to focus on that one who is sitting directly across the desk or next to you and listen to what they're trying to achieve and show them that you're there for them that you want to see them succeed sometimes those messages are tough that you may have to convey some of them, sometimes they're easy but I think if you listen and you're honest and you're ethical, you can go a long way as a leader. You know, this show is going to air right before Mother's Day. Would you like to say something to your mom and to your wife? Well, unfortunately, my my wife and I don't have any children. She has one, me. Uh, uh, I like to, you know, Peg, I love you. This, this is great. And, and Mom, uh, happy Mother's Day. For 53 great years, you've been a great mom. And I know you're going to be another great mom for another 53 years. And I would like to uh, say Happy Mother's Day to my mom, who is 91, and wow. to my wife, Deb, who is such a phenomenal mother and, and wife. Happy Mother's Day, sweetheart. And Albert, you want to say uh, Happy Mother's Day to your mom? Happy Mother's Day, Mom. And that's Albert Page's uh, our um, 
our great intern that we have here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Mr. John Burgess, uh, who is the Director of Corporate Alumni Relations here at Seton Hall and the, uh, not, not the creator, but the implementer of the Executive Suite Series. John, thanks for coming on the program. Mr. Ralph, thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure. And I look forward to having you back on the program. Absolutely. I, I would appreciate that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this week's edition of Leadership with Darrell Gunter. Remember, any of these shows that you might have missed, you can go to iTunes U under Seton Hall. Look for Leadership with Darrell Gunter, and you'll see all 158 of our 158 of our shows. And to all of the mothers out there, I want to wish you all a very happy Mother's Day, and uh, have a great weekend. Remember, leadership begins with you.